Well, all right. Good morning, brethren. Um, excited, blessed, happy to be here, standing before you all. As always, your presence here indicates that you have spiritual things and the things of God in mind and, and as a priority, and I appreciate that, and it encourages me uh, to see each and every one of you here. It's my earnest prayer that you'll be looking along and, and testing the things that I'm saying to, to make certain that they're true, uh, to look within your own hearts to see if there's application for you, and I, I hope that there will be this morning for Matthew chapter 16 and verse 6. Very, very soon we'll be reading from there in Matthew 16 and verse 6. At this point, you guys know the pattern. Most of y'all know I begin a lot of my lessons with personal stories, hopefully that we could use as kind of a jumping off point. Uh, plus, I just like telling stories. Uh, well, most of y'all know my story. Uh, I spin around uh, a while uh, before I obeyed the gospel, kind of shopping around different churches, different denominations, studying with those, uh, and talking with them. And I noticed the various qualities of these different groups that I was getting to know and, and kind of the, the, the things that they were teaching. And, and I even took note of all the stereotypes that people would, you know, that they would lay on those groups, uh, the qualities therein. And I would ask myself, now is that fair? Is that true? Is that right? And I would, what I was doing was I was evaluating. I was testing uh, the spirits, as, the, as they say. As if you're here for this morning's class, you know that's something that, that, that is really valuable for us to do. And, you know, you, you know, obviously I landed here in the Lord's church. Glory to God. Thank God for that. Um, but, but kind of my experience, uh, what, what, what originally caught my attention about the Lord's church uh, it was three, three words. Uh, book, chapter, and verse. Uh, as I say that, I, you guys know where I'm going with this. There's book, chapter, and verse for every single thing that was going on. It, it wasn't a matter of, well, my feelings. Where did my feelings come into this? Uh, first and foremost, the, uh, what was different about the church of Christ was that there was book, chapter, and verse for everything. Book, chapter, and verse for why we take the Lord's Supper the way that we do and when that we do. Book, chapter, and verse for every act of worship. The way that we sing, all every, every sermon point. Hopefully every sermon point that I've preached, every sermon point that I heard Josh preach, Danny, every sermon point that I'm hearing has a biblical passage to back it, to make sense of it. The Bible study is deep. It's not just surface level and shallow and we're just talking about our week the whole time. No, we're talking about the serious nature of the scriptures. And how refreshing was that for someone like me who grew up in in the the, the religions out there that, that they're, you know, it's all feelings based. It's all... It's all, this is what I feel in my heart. And the, the, the Lord just laid it on me. And, and, and all this uh, emotionalism and, and, and hypocrisy and things like that that I saw growing up. How refreshing was it to find a, a group that just legitimately wanted to do things God's way? I mean, that was awesome. But also, you want to know what else I noticed? Some Phariseeism. Now, that's a stereotype, isn't it? We've all heard that before, right? We've heard... You're, you're nothing but a Pharisee. You're nothing but a big group of Pharisees. Now, what we need to do is, is we need to not look outwardly to the world and say, oh, well, you know, they're lost. They don't, they don't have any dog in this fight. They don't have any understanding. We need to honestly ask whenever we receive a criticism, is there anything to it? Right? Before we go pointing our finger at anybody else, we need to do what? We need to look inside ourselves. That's the first spirit that we have to test is our own spirit to see whether or not that, that we have a godly spirit. So let's not think, oh, let's go straighten them out before we look inside and evaluate ourselves. And, and it's great. It's great that we have 
book, chapter, and verse, and that we're, we're serious about following God's law. That's not wrong. That's absolutely right. But what we're going to explore in this lesson is the why. Because I hate to say it, but yes, I noticed the book, chapter, and verse. And yes, I did notice zeal and fervor and passion for the Lord. But here and there, even before I became a Christian and definitely after I became a Christian, even in my own self, I noticed the leaven of the Pharisees, even today. So, is it possible that even the disciples of Christ, true Christians, can be bent in the way and in the path of the Pharisees, the enemy of Christ? It's possible. Jesus thought so. That's, that's our heading passage, Matthew 16, verse 6. Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So, the leaven of the Pharisees, we talked about the way that leaven worked just recently. Uh, Josh preached a sermon from it. And in case you need a refresher, a little leaven can do what? It leavens the whole lump, right? A little bit of leaven can spread quickly and entirely ruin an entire recipe. Just like a little bit of Pharisaic ideation tends to spread, and it's not just the individual that it affects, it affects an entire culture. And I believe that we have seen shades of this throughout the Lord's church of modernity. And, and I believe that the Pharisees did everything that they did in good conscience, but that they lacked certain elements. Their hearts were corrupted. Now, we don't want to be like them. We don't want to show any signs of being Pharisaic at all. So, so what is the leaven of the Pharisees? Well, I'll tell you. It's a recipe for disaster. So as we look into these qualities, I don't want to think about everybody, I don't want us to think about everybody else and think about how everybody else is, is Pharisaic and everybody else or this person you know is, you know, they've, they've gone off into error or, or whatnot. I want us to look inwardly and see our own attitudes and our hearts and our character and ask, have we stumbled in this way? Because this, if this is a little bit of leaven, it needs to be purged entirely. And before I say anything, I don't have anybody in particular in mind for this sermon, but this is for me, and this is for all of us. I know that I need this. What we're going to do is we're going to spend the majority of this lesson in Matthew chapter 23, okay? Matthew chapter 23. So just open with me over there, and you can just park there, because that's where we're going to be for like basically all morning in Matthew 23. So, the 23rd chapter of Matthew, Jesus has, he has some choice words for the Pharisees. And again, be- before we get into this, there, there might be some people right now who are saying, Cain, these, these criticisms toward, toward Christians today of, oh, you guys are acting like Pharisees. That's, that's nonsense. That doesn't happen. And I'm going to put forward to you this. Purge that from your mind right now. Do, and, and, and don't get me twisted. I love the Lord's church. It is amazing that we have this. Jesus paid for it with his blood. And I love Christians. But we have to be honest with ourselves. If you're saying there's no problem, you might be part of the problem. Okay? So we need to look into this. So Matthew 23, Jesus begins uh, that the the Pharisees, they had everything right on the surface in verse 1. So Jesus says to the crowds and he says to his disciples, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So do and observe whatever they tell you. But not the works that they do. For they preach, but do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. So the Pharisees, we've got to notice something about the Pharisees, okay? And we're going to notice this throughout all these texts. 
that the Pharisees had some stuff right. They did. And on the, and, and all of it's like surface level type stuff that we would see and we would go, yep, that's religious. That's very religious to do. The, the Pharisees, they did preach. That's good that they preached. And they taught God's law. And Jesus even said, whatever they tell you to do, you should do it. So they're preaching truth. But then the, what's the problem? That they don't practice. So they become hypocrites, first of all. And we're going to see that more and more as we go further through this absolutely fearsome rebuke that Jesus delivers and powerful. So we have to ask ourselves, first and foremost, as we're looking at this picture, in what manner do we as Christians wield the Word of God? Now Hebrews 4 and verse 12 says that the Word of God is a double-edged or two-edged sword. So since, since a lot of us you know, don't handle medieval weaponry, Maybe maybe we didn't understand. A double-edged sword, it's sharp on two edges. So when you're fighting with that thing, if you block incorrectly or you swing it recklessly, you'll cut your own self with the, with the wrong side of it. And this was exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They're just swinging wildly at whoever they see, just reckless abandon and not even taking care of their own selves, so they're just being cut. So that's that, that's essentially what's happening. And I'll freely admit, many times... That I've been convicted by my own words standing in the pulpit and standing in front of all of you. And that's the, the reality is that we all need to be re- ready to stand up and say, we have been hypocrites at times. We have made mistakes. But what matters is that we repent of those mistakes and that we realize that. The Pharisees' problem, they didn't realize that. They didn't, think, they didn't put any thought to that. They didn't think, where, what, where are my weaknesses? Where, what do I need to work on? They were thinking about what everybody else was doing wrong. Those sinners. How much help do they need? But not, not, not inside. Not within themselves. They were hypocrites. They were out here telling everybody else that they need to repent. But inside their own minds, they weren't making any effort to change. They were stagnant. They were stuck. They were complacent. And we can't be that. We can't have that attitude. You must not and I must not. Because that halts the progress of God's kingdom. Carrying on into verse 5 now. Jesus says, They do, that being the Pharisees, the, the religious leaders of the time, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplace and being called a rabbi or teacher by others. But you are not to be called rabbi. For you have one teacher. Or you are all brothers. And call no man your father on earth. For you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors. For you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And Jesus continues. He continues to say, the Pharisees, they certainly look put together, don't they? The, the phylacteries long, that's their, their, their tassels and their robes are, are all, all beautifully put, and, and their, their fringes are long, and they have everything put together. And, and they love the seats of honor, and they always get the best seat in the house. And they always have so much respect from the community. And they're shaking everybody's hand in the marketplace. How are you doing? And they're, they're reputable in the community. But here's the thing. These Pharisees were ungrateful. They thought they were special. They thought they were, they thought they were everything. They thought they, they, they were self-righteous. They thought they were exceptional. They thought that, that they were in a category above everybody else. And they, and they thought that there was something about them that deserved all this. That they, they craved the props. They craved the, they, they loved the name tag that said teacher. 
And they, and they, they somehow took credit for all those things. For having it all together. So what's that for us? Does that happen with us? It's a temptation, isn't it? Every Sunday we come here, we're put together, aren't we? We got our nice button-up shirts. We got our khakis on. Ladies, you got your dresses. You got your hair just so. Every, all your neighbors see you coming out to services. And what's your attitude about that? What's your attitude? Is, is this, is, oh, I'm so put together. Look at me. I'm, I'm doing all this religious stuff. Congratulations, me. Why, what? I hope the world sees all these good things that I'm doing. And I think, I hope they see what a good person I am. Is that your attitude? No. We need to humble ourselves. And I, I'm saying we. And we need to know that we, we, we want people to look past us. And we want them to see Jesus. And speaking of Jesus, he continues. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Again, he says hypocrites. For you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte or a convert, make, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So Jesus says, you know what? You Pharisees, you even put some effort into this evangelism thing. That's how we put it today, isn't it? You go and you put effort into making converts. Some of us don't even do that. And they they do that, but but, but you know what Jesus says? You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Evangelism, you're doing it all wrong. You're taking these people and you're converting them to Phariseeism. You're not converting them to God. You're You're not making them a follower of God. You're converting them to your tradition. And that's not the way to go. The Pharisees were evangelistic, but in all the wrong way. And for all the wrong reasons. What does it matter if they go out and everybody says, the Pharisees, they're good at argumentation. They'll debate you into the ground. They're right about that. The Pharisees figured it out. Well, what's that? Have we ever been guilty of emphasizing so much the letter of the law and entirely forgetting the emphasis that belongs on the lawgiver? We know our scriptures left and right. We can teach the Bible back, forward, and sideways. But then, then when it comes to talking about who God is, somehow we miss that element. How, how is that going to make a disciple or convert of anybody? You know, you know but, well, the last thing that we want to do is sit here and, and you know, we, we, our buddy agrees to have a Bible study with us. And we, and man, and, and I've done this. And we smash them. Oh boy, we give it to them. We explain all the stuff they're doing wrong in their religion and in their life and how they need to fix themselves. And then, man, we beat them in this debate. And then afterward they go, well, it looks like you really know the Bible a lot better than me. And you're right. You are right. Is that what we wanted all along? No, that's not what we wanted. And we need to make it clear that that's not what we want. We need to know how to do that. Because it's not about us being right. It's about the, it's not about the letter of the law. Beyond that, it's the lawgiver that makes the letter of the law powerful. And we have to show that to people. And that's not a one-time sit-down McDonaldization Bible study where you can just be in and out and say, here's what the Bible says about baptism and just take it. You can't do that every time. Sometimes people have so many missing elements with the understanding of, of the love of God and the authority of God and His kingship and His authority. And we have to be willing to get them there. It's not about us being right or just proving people wrong, guys. We don't want to convert them to the sign. 
Wherever there's a sign that says Church of Christ, that's where I'm going to be. How about wherever there's the people of God, that's where I'm going to be. That's what we want. We want Wherever God is, that's where we're going to be. And that's what we're trying to convert people to, is it not? But the Pharisees, they're converting people to their tradition, telling, convincing them that they're right. And that's not where we want to be. Jesus continues, verse 16. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, if anyone swears by the temple, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gold of the temple, he is bound by his oath. You blind fools. For which is greater, the gold, of the, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, if anyone swears by the altar, it is nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift that is on the altar, he is bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar, swears by it and by everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple, swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And whoever swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God and by him who sits upon it. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. Hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. What does this say? What does this mean? Gold, offerings, tithing down to the specific. What's all this come down to? What do these all come in? What, what, what is in common here? What's the underlying principle? Carnality. Physicality. The Pharisees were carnal. They were a carnal, obsessed with their appearances, obsessed with the physical things of this world, obsessed with the way that, that it looked to them out there. And they lost the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness, things that are in your heart. Jesus says, you, you have everything. By the numbers. You have everything by the numbers. But you have nothing in your hearts but carnality. He says that. You have nothing in your hearts but carnality. So what does that mean? Yeah. Maybe maybe your attendance at church is stellar. You know, maybe, maybe you've got the check mark every time you're there. You know, maybe you give to the collection every time faithfully. But you didn't do those things out of love for the Lord. You did those things because that's just what we do. That's just what we do every Sunday. That's just what you're supposed to do. And if you didn't, someone would say, hey, that didn't look right. I saw that. And that didn't. That didn't. And if we could get away with it, if you look deep inside your heart, if you could get away with it, where would you be? But you know, you don't want your appearance to be tarnished. If that's your attitude, if that's our attitude, we got to purge that out because we're not trying to check a box and we're not trying to soothe the conscience. And we're honestly not trying to do this for everybody else. We're trying to do this for God. That's what this worship is about, is it not? So it doesn't matter about this physical appearance and getting everything down by the numbers if there's no God in any of it. If it's all physical, if it's all carnal, then you're a Pharisee. If you go out of this church building and your thoughts are continually on the dollar bill and how are we going to get these bills paid and, and what, where, where are we going to go X, Y, and Z. But we've got this hobby and this recreation. Da, 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 and there's no God anywhere in your day or in your mind or in your heart or in your soul. And you're one of these people that, man, you, you come to church and you do everything right and you look like a Christian, but you go home and it's, it's physical, 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 carnal, carnal, carnal. You've got to purge it out. You've got to change. You gotta work spiritually. If you're, I don't have time for Bible study, guys. I don't have time for prayer. I do enough of that in the assembly. It's, you're carnal. You're carnal. And you're on your way to being a Pharisee. Do not do that. We cannot fall into that. So Jesus continues down that same line. We need justice, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. And he continues, and he's, as you notice, he's peeling back the layers in this sermon. 
He started with the very most obvious thing that they were hypocrites, and he's going all the way down to their heart here. Okay, so he's cutting to the heart. That's what the word does, Hebrews 4.12. It cuts to the heart. So 29, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you build the tombs of the prophets, you decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourselves that you are some of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents. You brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore I send you to prophets and wise men. I send to you prophets and wise men and scribes, some of whom you kill and crucify, and some of you will flog in your synagogues and persecute from town to town, so that one, so that on you may come all the righteous bloodshed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakai, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. O Jerusalem! Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. And what I think we see as, as, as Jesus concludes here is just an absolute final nail in the coffin of the Pharisees who, who are arrogant enough to say, not me. If, we, if the prophets were in our day, we wouldn't have persecuted them. We, 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 wouldn't have had a, we wouldn't have a problem with them. And, and Jesus goes on to reveal and to prophesy that yes, you will. That, 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 that prophets are going to come, that righteous men are going to come, and you're going to spill their blood. And how right he was. They crucified him. They crucified Christ. And what was he trying to do with this entire sermon? What was he trying to do in this whole exposition of their hearts? He's trying to show them to soften their hearts to say, change, repent. And they kill him for it. They crucify him and string him up for it. And how arrogant to say, not me. I would, you know, that song, I'm the one. They're saying, I'm not the one. I'm not the one. I would never do what they did to the prophets. And then they crucify the son of God. Now, where are we? Where are we in that equation? We, 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 we can't be the kind of people that say, not me. If, if I were there, I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have denied Jesus. I wouldn't have, we, we can't say that. We have to look inside of ourselves and say, were we there once? Have we stumbled? Would we, would we even know Jesus if he came to our doorstep? We have to ask ourselves that and we have to look inwardly and know. Because if you caught me on the wrong day, I wouldn't even recognize him. You know, and that's scary. And we have to be vigilant. We have to know where we're at. So Jesus peeled back all the layers. He exposed several elements. He exposed that the Pharisees, that they were hypocrites. That they didn't do what they taught was right. Yeah, yeah, those wicked Pharisees, Brother Cain, you say. They're, they're real wicked, but you're wrong. We're not like them. There's nobody in the Lord's church with that attitude. Really? Really? So you've never sinned? You've never been a hypocrite? Do we teach the whole Bible here? Do we teach the entire Word of God? Yes. I believe we do. I believe we are bound by every single letter of the law of Christ. Yes or no? Yes. We are. And we're bound to that. But yet we still fall short. And so we have to look inwardly and to say, who are we to say then that I can't do any better? That I'm I'm doing the very, very 100% I'm giving it my all. We are not. 
We fall short all the time. So to be arrogant and to rest on our laurels cannot be done. We ha- we don't need to just be like, I'm just, you know, trucking along here, like, you know, autopilot, and just hope that you... Some people say, you know, time heals all wounds. And time is a healing thing. And time even even permits for some growth. But if you're just relying on putting in hours at church services and just... Flipping through the Bible, just just absentmindedly reading the text, and there's no heart and there's no soul in that. Well, are you growing really? Where is that at? We gotta we gotta analyze that. And Jesus said too. Jesus said the Pharisees were exceptional. That they were that they were, but they were they thought that they were exceptional. That they were self righteous. They loved all the special treatment that comes from being a Pharisee, and they thought that that being a Pharisee made them somehow better than everybody else. And they were so put together and so religious. And so somebody says, "No, okay, that's that's not me. I'm I'm humble. I really am. I know I'm I know I know I'm nothing special. I know I know that 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 being a member of the Lord's church, we all we all need God's grace just as much as anybody else out there. Really? When's the last time you sat down and ate with some sinners? When's the last time you went out in the world and got your hands dirty? When's the last time you made a non-Christian friend? When you made an effort?" To go into the darkness and into the sin of the world and to make an impact change. When's the last time you did that? I've been extremely convicted about this. Because here I have been, I mean, I'm doing my own studies here in the building for so long, and this is very personal and I know, but man, I had all this free time for these last several months, and I could have been putting in work and going in and saving souls and helping to save souls, rather, helping helping to achieve the cause of Christ, and I was resting on my laurels. And we cannot do that. There are, I'm just people, I'm just waiting for an opportunity. But then, oh, that, then, then come the excuses. Oh, that person's too wicked. Oh, that person's in their sin. They're in an adulterous marriage. They're never going to repent. Oh, I can't talk to them. They're, they're, you know, they, they'd never understand. They don't want the gospel. Oh, it's not the right time. It's not the right place. X, Y, and Z. Get your hands dirty. We're not special. We're not better than them, okay? We're just Christians. We know that we need grace. And that means we should know that they need it too. Jesus said, and speaking of evangelism, speaking of this idea of going out and getting our hands dirty and spending time with the lost that are out in the world, what, what, about, our, what, what, what about our evangelism? What's our evangelism look like? Well, let me tell you, more often than not, and this is me too, look, look, I'm beating myself up up here, we sit across the table from somebody or we stand by the water cooler at work or we're, in, we're on break at work or, or whatnot, or we're doing our hobby and we're talking with our friends and we get to talking and it starts going in a spiritual direction. Okay, that's good. We're talking about God. We're talking about God's things. And then all of a sudden we hear something that we maybe don't agree with. And that's, okay, maybe that's a good opportunity to interject. But then what we do is we go into pit bull mode and we get into uh, this, this, all right, well, I'm going to show you. And our whole attitude and our whole demeanor changes. And we lose the fruits of the Spirit that we just sang about. And all of a sudden, we're, we're just dogging this person. And we're trying to prove them wrong and ourselves right. And, and what kind of evangelism is that? What are we going to convert people to with that? Where, where are we pointing to? we always got to be pointing to God and pointing back to God. We need folks to look past us. And I'm learning this more and more the more time that I spend up here, you guys. The only way that we're ever, ever going to do this is if people look past us, through us, and see Christ. That's the only way that we're ever going to make a real and true disciple. That's the only way. So, the Pharisees, though, they didn't, they didn't see. They didn't see past anyone. They didn't see any spiritual anything. They, they only saw physical appearances. They wanted to look righteous. As long as they had all the elements there, 
the, the physical elements, as long as everybody was non there, like, oh yeah, that's a religious person, then they felt like they were okay. But what does God see? God sees all the inner workings of the hearts of man, does he not? He does. And I remember I had one sister tell me, she may be a little upset at me at the time, that's fine, that's, that's a story for another day. She said, Cain, God knows your heart. And that should scare you. And it does. It strikes me with reverent fear because God knows every layer to me. He knows that there are parts of me that are broken, that aren't working completely perfectly. And I understand that. And we all need to understand that. That He sees that. We're not doing this for them. We're not doing this for anyone but God. That's the whole purpose of all this. So we need to look to the cross. Now Jesus said, what's the root? What's the, the, the end of this recipe? We gotta, you know, we, we, we got a dash of hypocrisy, a tablespoon of self-righteousness. We got, we got this, uh, uh, totally wrong evangelism thrown in there in the mix. And then an obsession with just physical things and appearance and, and the outward appearance of righteousness and, and having it all together. And then what's, what's the final element that puts it all and just binds it all together? Well, that's no true desire. And no zeal for the Lord. Now, it says in the end of Jesus' sermon to the Pharisees, he says, he's peeling back all the layers. And he's, you know, you're hypocrites, this, 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 this. And then at the end, he says, you say, if the word of God came to you by the mouth of the prophets, you would never do anything. You wouldn't persecute them. You wouldn't kill them. You'd listen to them. And here he is, God in the flesh, and you won't hear him. Now, where are you? Where are you in this equation? Now, Hebrews 12 says that the Lord is a consuming fire. Do you want that? Do you want to be consumed? Do you want to be enveloped totally? Do you want to sacrifice everything? Jesus highlighted again how the prophets shed and they they fell and they shed their blood for the preaching of the word. And then he even predicted correctly that the Pharisees would not heed his own words. Now, somebody says... In this audience, maybe, maybe even I've said this at times, if I were there, I would have stood up for Jesus. At the foot of the cross when they were yelling, oh, bring yourself down if you can, son of God. You'd like to think, I'd say, be silent. That's the Lord. That's what you tell yourself. But are you Peter? Are you going to step into Peter's shoes, the apostle? He saw all the mighty workings of Jesus, all the miracles of Jesus. He watched Jesus raise someone from the dead. And he was shaking in his boots. Three times he denies Jesus. So if you're saying, yeah, if I were there, I'd, I'd, I'd say something or I'd do something. You might have been in the crowd yelling, crucify him. You realize that? We need to look in inwardly. And I'm not saying that you are that person, but I'm saying look inwardly. Where are we at? What do you lack? What are you lacking in your spiritual life? Now maybe somebody says, nothing. You're a Pharisee. If you can't think of anything that you need to work on, you either need to ask somebody, you need to open up your Bible and study more, you need to get some conviction to you. Because if I ever find myself in a state where somebody asks me, well, what do you need to work on? And I say, I don't know. Nothing. God forbid. In that case, you would be lost. Brothers and sisters, what we need to do is we need to get off of our laurels. We need to change this culture. We need to change the way that the world sees us. 
We don't need to bring people kicking and screaming into the church building and drag them and beat them down in an argument and convince them that the church of Christ is right and everybody else is wrong. We need to teach them that God is right and anything else is wrong. That's what we need to do. And we need to change the way that we're perceived. You know, people, the church of Christ, they're Pharisees. They're legalists. They're they're, they're the non-instrumentalists. We used to be called the people of the book. What's happened? What's happened? Can we impact change? Can we change not just this county? Not just this little town? Not just this little Lake Cumberland, just podunk town of Somerset, Kentucky? But can we change the world? Can we affect that change? Yes, we can. But only with God. Only if we do it His way. And only if we keep giving Him the glory. And only if we look inside ourselves. And when you look inside yourself, you have to ask, is there any of this leaven? And have I become complacent? And do I think I'm somehow better than all of them? We're not. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now I ask you this. Do you know that? If if you've sinned, and you need an opportunity to repent of that sin, and you're a Christian, now's your time to do it. If you've not obeyed the gospel, and you've heard this sermon, and you've been convicted, and you say, man, I do, I, I do see past you, Cain. I see Christ. I, I, I want to see God. I want to go to heaven. And you're not been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Well, then it's not about, it's not about me beating you in an argument about that thing. It's about what Lord, the Lord said. The Lord said in Romans 6, 3-5, that that's how you die with Christ. See Christ. See what He did. See the power of the resurrection. You can have that. If you'll just come forward as you stand and as we sing.